What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. The Braves are in first place in the NL East. The Falcons are apparently worried about Julio Jones spending too much time with a Hall of Famer who just ran a four four forty at the age of forty four years old. Um, Land United still a monster. The Hawks might pass on Luka Doncic, even though the Sacramento Kings appear to be zeroed in on Michael Porter Jr. and Marvin Bagley. <sighs> it's exhausting, but Brad Rowland, the ATL aficionado, an excellent basketball writer, is here. Brad, are you overwhelmed by the Atlanta sports hysteria yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, partially, I think the Braves are just fun this year, which is really nice. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been a while since they've been fun. I, I do cover the Braves a decent amount and, uh, having more fun doing that this year than I have in a while uh, the Falcon stuff. I'm just trying to ignore uh, entirely, which is impossible in this town because even in the midst of the draft and the Braves being good and United and everything else, it's still Falcons a lot. Um, even when there's nothing happening with the Falcons. So uh, I'm not overwhelmed with that. I'm just kind of annoyed by it. But no, it's uh, it's definitely a, an overwhelming uh, slash busy time for me personally. I do a ton of draft stuff, uh, even aside from covering the Hawks, which also have a lot going on with the draft. So mm-hmm. uh, I personally am a little bit overwhelmed at this point, but uh, always happy to talk about Atlanta sports because that's what we do. How concerned are you that uh, sports talk here is going to just be upset no matter what the Hawks do, especially if they pass on Trey Young at three? Because I've heard that a couple times. And I just, I can't believe Trey Young at three is something that people are talking about. I get it with Trey Young. Like, I wouldn't do that at three, but I, I do understand the Trey Young. Um, is it just a fun factor thing where they're like, if you're going to be bad for like six years, which is definitely probably going to be the case, then um, at least make it enjoyable for people that want to go to the games. Is that all it is? It's a combination of that. And there is definitely a big segment of the fan base that just wants a score. Um, you know, the whole time they were good for, you know, 10 years straight of making the playoffs, they really never had like, I mean, I know Joe Johnson was a scorer, but especially in the po- in the post Joe Johnson era, when they were actually at their best with the Al Horford, Paul Millsap combo, that team didn't really have a lead scorer at any point. And I think people just want that star level offensive player. That's something that I've really taken away. I was surprised actually, I put out a poll on Tuesday and um, Luka Doncic won pretty comfortably of what, pe- of what people wanted. I was, I was actually pretty surprised based on my, my, my mentions the last few months. I would have thought that, uh, you know, maybe people wanted Marvin Bagley or Trey Young more. Well, they um, do if Doncic is not the answer. So I think 680 did a similar poll, but therefore was like Jaron Jackson. Um, it was Bagley. I want to say Bamba and, and Trey Young. Yep. And no Doncic. And Marvin Bagley won like 60 plus percent of the vote. Yeah, I did, I did a similar one to that as well uh, today. And Bagley won, but not by that big of a margin. I think Mo uh-huh. Bamba's weirdly gaining because of all the pre-draft the kind of PR Bamba. campaign. Yeah, it's basically a lot of Mo, Mo Bamba stuff right now. But yeah, I mean, on Trey Young, I understand. I, I don't think the Hawks are going to take Trey at three. Um, I think they like Trey Young, according to everything mm-hmm. that I've heard, both on the record and off the record. They seem to like Trey Young, but not like Trey Young enough to go with him at three, if that makes sense. I think they probably understand there probably is a tier ahead of him somewhere. So I get the Trey Young love. I'm not anti Trey Young. I'm just kind mm-hmm. of the guy who's not going to take him at three, but we'll still argue like, look, if Trey Young hits what he could be, he could be awesome. And in today's NBA, if you have a guy who could shoot off the move from 25, 30 feet, pass at a high level, that guy's going to be super valuable. So I do understand it, even though it's kind of terrifying for me. I will say Ryan Russillo is responsible for my Trey Young animosity. Did you hear what he compared him to a couple months ago? Uh, I don't think I heard that. Honestly. Okay. Maybe I did. Um, I just forgot it. But. So his podcast is great. And is. his uh, <laughs> he was talking about Trey Young. And his comp was Jimmer Fredette. And I have not been able to get that out of my head. And I can't unsee it. I get where he's coming I, from. And- it's funny. I was a lottery guy. People forget that he no, was a lottery guy. Yeah, I've used that as like a as like an absolute disaster. 
example of Trey Young. Like, I wouldn't compare him to Jimmer, but if you're looking for a situation where Trey Young fails, it's going to look like Jimmer, I will say. I do think Trey Young has uh, different skills in that he is a so much better passer than Jimmer ever was. Like, Jimmer was really like a shooting guard um, in a point guard's body, whereas Trey Young is actually a point guard. Like, he really, really passes the ball well. I think that gives him a higher floor than Jimmer had. Uh, I think there's a scenario where Trey Young isn't very good because of just his physical size and stuff. But I think he's always going to get, he's always going to be able to pass. And I don't think he'll just be out of the league in, you know, whatever three, like three was it three years of Jimmer last in the yeah, league, something it, like that. I didn't even feel like that though. And then he had that whole inspiring story where he kept trying to claw his way back. He played in the G league for a while. I mean, he's great. He's like, he's a, he's yeah. a legend. He's averaging like 65 in China. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's, out. that's a guy who's, he's made a lot of money playing basketball and mm-hmm. that's a positive story. Even if it was not a positive story for the Kings who took him, in the lottery. But yeah, I mean, I've used that comp as like a complete and utter basement comp for Trey Young. I don't, I don't hate it necessarily, but I do think Young's passing and the fact that he's actually a point guard, whereas Jimmer was just as, was a pure scorer. Like people just overlook Young's passing. It's probably my, my biggest point there. If you're trying to make the disaster comp, give me a point guard at least. Like send me somebody that could actually, you know, maybe, maybe Isaiah Thomas um, pre breakout as a as a floor mm. kind of guy like not yeah. not the Celtics Isaiah Thomas that was averaging 30 a game on a on a playoff team but like the Celtics like uh, the Kings Isaiah Thomas who couldn't defend anybody and was like a sixth man that's that's probably what I see more realistically for like a lower end outcome for Trey Young which isn't mm. awful by any means no yeah and I just think it's one of the so he's a he, he is a benefactor for um this draft being very big and wing heavy like there's just not a lot of guards that you would take or your any team would feel comfortable taking early in the lottery. This is just I mean, you have Colin Sexton, you have uh Mikhail Bridges, you have a couple guys, but none of them really figure to be superstars, and Trey Young is the only guard in this lottery that just has the star upside. So I get the um just the the lore of drafting someone like Trey Young, but at the same time I think if this was just a normal draft and i think when you look across the league where just every team is a good point guard like i just i'm not there and i think it's just it's fool's gold with him especially when you just look at who's going ahead of him and just i think if we were looking at him in a different draft he would be like a late first rounder and then whatever he becomes at that point is just whatever but um i would not feel comfortable taking him in the top 10 especially number three but uh the hawks have the number three pick um I there's so much going on here, but this is the first Lloyd Pierce and Trevor Schlink draft. So they have four picks in the top 34. Um, I think one of them, the next one after three is what 19. So yep, yeah, um, that could be cool depending on what they do there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about like Schlink not pretending to uh, say that he's not fielding calls, and we know that they are calling other teams about Schroeder and uh, Kent Bazemore which is very interesting because this team already has a bunch of cap space. They have $20 million in cap space. Um, my favorite part about their um, current contract status is that over 50% of the team's salary is committed to Miles Blumley, Dennis Schroeder, and uh, Kent Bazemore. So that's never a place you want to be. But if you're on a bad team, it's the perfect place. Um, where are you at with this? And what do you think when you see those four picks in the top 34? Do you think Schlink's actually going to package some of them to get off a bad contract like a Plumley or a Schroeder like he might have to because what team is really chomping at the bit to get a uh, Schroeder for three years and uh, I think he's making what like 15 million a year or something like 15 that? and a half yeah I, yeah I do think um there isn't necessarily a huge impetus to get off um at least Plumley and Baysmore because I know Plumley is like basically dead money I understand that but the Hawks don't really need the cap space right now uh and mm-hmm. Baysmore uh, is overpaid, but is also a guy who is good at basketball. Like I would argue he was probably the best player on the team last year, or at least on the very short list, and isn't really in the way. Like Bazemore is a guy who would fit anywhere. Like you can never have too like many doing wings. A service to him, right? Where they're like, okay, I know you don't, you're too good to be on this bad of a team for years, and we want to send you to like a contender, a playoff team again. Like I feel like that's where they're headed with Bazemore. Yeah, maybe. And that's if, if they do it, that's probably has something to do with it. I, I do I do think though there's some value to having a guy like Bazemore who's a good leader and can kind of play with anybody and is just I know he's overpaid, but it's not like an egregious contract. If he was a free agent this year, you know, he would get a lot less, but he would get a lot of money. Like he's a, he's a legitimate starter, a quality player in the league. And on the wing, 
that doesn't hurt you as badly. Now, Schroeder's a different animal because Schroeder is really tough to build your roster with Schroeder on it. Because if Schroeder's on your team, he has to be your starting point guard. And I don't think a team with him as your starting point guard and massive usage is ever going to be good. Um, so, and you throw in the fact that he doesn't seem seemingly want to be there right now. He made, he made the weird comments over the summer in Germany and he has the legal issue and you put all that together with a contract that's not great. And it's like, how do you trade this guy without some serious pain? Um, but even then, I think the only reason to trade Dennis is if you just think he cannot be on the team, which is a consideration. Like that's what they did with Dwight. I mean, when it, when it, yeah. when, it, when, it, when they traded Dwight, it was like, all right, Dwight, we can't have you here. We have to trade you. Now, Dennis, I haven't heard that it's that bad with Dennis, but if it was that bad with Dennis, then they have to move him. But aside from that, like they're going to be bad this this next year anyway. Like the urgency level is kind of up for debate for me. Like I wouldn't want Dennis to be around necessarily, but am I going to want to use a good asset to get off Dennis right now? Probably not because you want to use your good assets to add players. So I, I think Baysmore and Plumlee, I would just kind of leave alone unless something, unless somebody actually thinks Bays is like kind of almost worth his contract. Aside from that, I would just kind of leave those guys on the roster for another year, maybe reevaluate next summer. Dennis is just different because there might be some urgency to get him off the roster just because, like for instance, if, if they were to take Trey Young, if they were to draft up to Trey Young, take Trey Young somewhere else, like maybe if they pass him at three and they get him like at nine or ten in a trade, you can't have Trey Young and Dennis Schroeder on the same roster. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't bring Dennis back if you have Trey Young because. Those guys can't play together, so like, there's no chance those guys are playing together at any point. They can't defend a soul like that. That yeah. doesn't work. So Dennis Schroeder is the best theoretical point guard, defend defensive point guard. In the I mean, he used to be better. Like he was never yeah. as good as like people thought he, he was. Looks like actually, he be. yeah, just, no, that was he has that the was look of a good lockdown premier defender, and he's just not. He got a lot of. Uh, Rondo, like young Rondo comparisons when he first came in the league because mm-hmm. of his body type, you know, how long he is. And I think he really was a pretty, pretty good defender as a rookie and as a second year player, because he really tried hard. And now he just, he doesn't play with that kind of intensity anymore. He's just kind of a bad defender. It is what it is. So, I mean, I don't know, aside from a situation where they just feel like they can't have him around or they have Trey Young, you don't have to trade Dennis. I mean, I don't, I'm not a big Dennis fan, but in the same breath, like, I'm not necessarily on board with trading assets to get rid of contracts right now because they just don't need the cap space. Like unless you have, they have some master plan to go sign Aaron Gordon, which I wouldn't do, or somebody like that. Like I just don't see the reason why you have to have all this cap He's space. He's locked in, isn't he? I feel like Gordon. No, Gordon. Gordon's a free agent. Gordon and Jabari and Dante Exum. Like that's their oh, Aaron Gordon. I thought you meant. Uh, I thought you meant not not, not Eric. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, Aaron. Uh, but yeah, I, I just mean like whatever restricted free agent X that you want to throw your money at, like that's young enough to make sense, but I just wouldn't do that. So Dennis is weird because we just don't know how bad it is, but unless it's so bad, I think they're probably better off just kind of hanging on and u- using their cap space to get another asset from somewhere else rather than actually attaching an asset to get off of one of those guys. Is there a trade down potential? Like I love the idea that's been floated out there of um, Memphis and the Clippers doing business a little bit where Chandler Parsons and the number four pick go to uh, Los Angeles and then the Grizzlies get off that contract but they take in Gallinari and then I think they get the number 12 and number 13 pick from the Clippers I wonder if there is some potential for the Hawks to do something like the only way I'm okay with them trading down from three is if Doncic goes number two then it's like I mean Jackson who they apparently are enamored with at three is fine but like see and that's it's weird because there's direct opposition in reporting on Jackson right now really uh sean devaney of the sporting news reported that the hawks are basically already out on jackson what? whereas a, so a several other sources right have now. reported that they like jackson so yeah i mean take that for what it's worth I'm, i kind of don't believe anything this time like, of I year goes from gavani from yes yeah he likes jackson uh, as a possibility in atlanta you know I've, I've heard a bunch of people say that jackson is someone that the hawks like and then you have the one loan report from sporting news that says no and I don't know. I'm not, I'm not discounting any of it. It could all be true from what they've been hearing. It could be splits, could be smoke screens, all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, I do think it becomes more for if I am the GM, I am more willing to trade down if Luca is not there because I like him just like you do. I think as the optimal player at three, um, if he's not there though, I'd be fine just staying put and taking somebody, but um, the door opens more for me if he is off the board at two because I'm not just absolutely enamored. Like, I know who I would take at three if Luke is gone, but in the same breath, the gap between that guy and everybody else is not massive for me. So if you can slide down a spot or two, part of the problem is that Memphis and Dallas don't really have any assets yep. to trade. 
Like those guys, those those two teams don't really have anything that makes sense to move up even a spot or two because like Memphis has no assets at all. Like they don't even have their 2019 pick. Like they, basically it's their number, it's their number four pick and that's about it. Which sucks yeah. because they're still a team that like Robert Pear already said that he thinks they can be a 51 team again this year, which I mean, um, it's probably it, not happening. If he so thinks if they, that, they got to trade the f- number four pick for someone who's good right now. Like exactly, that's the only yeah. way that makes any sense. Which I want for number four. <laughs> yeah, I mean something like that. Yeah, Bay, yeah, Bazin, Bazin 19 and something else for four. Uh, but no, uh, I do think that and same thing with Dallas. I mean, Dallas has their 2019 first round pick, which might be interesting, but. I'm not sure they're going to trade their next two first rounders to go up two spots. If they do that, then yeah, maybe. But aside from that, they don't really have any assets either because they're not going to trade Dennis Smith. They just drafted in the lottery. That's not happening. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think you have to almost be ready to go down to six or seven. And at six or seven, the drop-off could be a little bit more significant than it is going from three to four. So yeah, at three, I'm just taking Doncic unless someone just blows me away with an offer. Um, But if, if Doncic is not there... Then I would he be just had a game winner off one foot today from three. Yeah, I mean, like, what are we doing here? I do think, like, it's funny. I think there there is some zealotry out there with Doncic, to where like there are people that I that I trust. That I think are smart. That think he's like in his own tier, massive gap between him and him and everybody else in this draft. I'm not quite there. He's my number one guy, but it's not this huge gap. I do have some concerns. I, I love his game. But like he's not in the superstar no doubt tier that like Anthony Davis and LeBron were in. Like he's not there. I don't think. Maybe you do, and we can disagree on that, which is fine. But I think still, like he's still the best player in the draft for me. So yeah, the gap you can kind of debate how big the gap is, and I'm sure people disagree with just the assertion that he's number one pick in the draft for me or you. But I, I, that's just how I have to see it. That's that's what I see. It's why I see it with what I believe, and especially when you assume Aiton is gone as well. I mean, Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley, Mo Bamba, Trey Young. Like, I wouldn't touch Michael Porter with a 10-foot pole. So, I think it depends on – Porter is just all about, like, where he goes. Because I'm scared about the back. Like, the bad back is an issue. But, like, he seems like one of those guys where if he fell – and, like, because it does seem like a lot of the stuff with him is, like, he's a very isolated player. He sees himself – as like the number one guy on a good team and he's not really a big team player he's kind of like an old school mindset it seems like with him but um if he fell maybe that's like the right kind of humbling where it would do him good especially if he goes to an organization that's actually has a strong structure in place to incorporate someone like porter um maybe late lottery something like that like that would be pretty ideal for him like if he fell to like denver or something that would be pretty fascinating but like you put him in chicago or new york oh god i mean i don't um, the thing is he's not going to fall that far though like someone's yeah. going to unless the medical Sacramento is just terrible, stepping in sacramento's well, all in yeah they i mean maybe they are happen. but unless the medical is just terrible like he's not he's not gonna get past chicago and new york i don't think and then it's not necessarily all that for me either or the makeup it's just kind of the combination of all things like i was never as high on porter like i had him as a top five guy before so what the do, year what do you not like about him I just, he's the kind of player that I just, I personally am never going to just be in love with is that he, he's just a scorer. He does nothing else. Like he doesn't do anything else. Well, in my opinion, like he doesn't make anybody better. Like I understand he's six ten and has a lot of upside. Like I would never question his upside. His upside is considerable. If he's healthy and maxes out, he's going to be an all NBA player. So mm-hmm. let's, let's just put that out there. But downside, he's an empty calorie score guy with a back problem and makeup problems. Like that's a lot of things to get over. So I just know myself and I, I was always going to be lower on Porter, even if he had been healthy all season long, it's his game that I am just predisposed not to liking. And that's a philosophical thing, which is a lot of what the draft is. Honestly, I think even between fans and people like us that do this a little bit more seriously, you know, fans, especially I think tend to like scorers more, at least Mm. pure scorers. And I think Porter, if he had been healthy, I know Hawks fans would just be falling all over themselves for Michael Porter Jr. If he had averaged 25 a game at Missouri, <laughs> it would, I mean, every poll that we put out would say 83% Michael Porter Jr. Like, I'm mm-hmm. confident in that. It would be worse than Trey Young. It would yeah. be way worse. So, and it wouldn't change my evaluation all that much. I mean, other than just without the back problem, which does help. So, yeah, I, I you know, for me, it's worth gambling on him once you get past the top tier, but he's not in the top tier. And like, I'm thankful at this point, if you're a Hawks fan, they're the one Hawks are the one team in the top five aside from Phoenix. That's not been linked to Porter really at all. I don't think Travis Slank's ready to fool with that. Maybe it's just an elaborate smoke screen and a perfectly developed one. And the Hawks take him at three and I'd be floored. But aside from that, I'm kind of glad that they're not really linked to him. 
Do you believe at all that the Hawks would actually pass on Doncic if he fell to three? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I do okay. think that. I, I think I was hoping for a definitive no there. No, I, I can't give you that. I, I do think uh, more and more, if I had to guess, I would say they take him based mm-hmm. on what I've heard and what I've read and you know, offline and online and all that stuff. I think, they, I think they would take him, but I'm not convinced of that just because I know there is at least someone in that front office that doesn't like him and is not convinced athletically especially now all that matters at the end of the day is Travis Slank mm-hmm. and that's the one guy I don't know what he feels like I feel pretty yeah. good about a couple other guys in their front office um and what I've heard and read and heard said and you know his interview that, AJC, that the AJC did with um, Jeff Peterson who's the assistant GM and he kind of shared some thoughts that you can read, read between the lines a little bit there on Doncic but at the end of the day it's all about Schlank who I don't know so yeah I think he fits Schlank's profile pretty well um, but in the same breath, I could see a scenario where he doesn't take him, especially because they seem to value length and two-way guys. And I think yep. Jaron Jackson, especially Lloyd uh, Pierce, right? Because it, if you remember, like that big, I think it was the AJC Cunningham had a good piece about um, Lloyd Pierce, and one of the things that he loves doing, and I think one of the phrases he would utter in Philadelphia because he was the defensive coordinator for Brett Brown, um, he would basically funnel guys. He loved, um, I think it was like no fucking layups or something. Oh yeah, that's that is that is accurate. That's exactly what yeah, it was. Yeah, so like that's part of why I'm starting to wonder. Like, I, that's why I guess I've never really understood the Marvin Bagley connection with him because I don't see Bagley as someone Lloyd Pierce has any interest in dealing with. And <laughs> it's so- funny. He's the other guy that there is direct opposing reporting on. Like I've mm-hmm. heard now, or at least read multiple times, that, that the Hawks have always liked Bagley on yep. one side, and the other side, I've heard that they've never liked Bagley. So that's the same I exact thing. Schlink like liking him and Pierce hating him. Uh, like, agreed. But cool. actually it's funny. I found this interesting too. That same Sean Devaney report that, we, that I referenced earlier about Jaron Jackson mentioned that Lloyd Pierce specifically likes Luka Doncic, which huh. oh. is something of a I'm surprise. All in. Lloyd Pierce, 10 years. Let's yeah. Go, let's I, go ahead I, and renew him. I'm kind of with you though. Like I'm a little bit surprised just because Pierce is, you know, self-proclaimed defense first guy. Doncic, I think the defensive concerns are a little bit overblown, but he's never going to be a, great defender by any means i think he's Wait, a- i think i know what it is so what? brett i'm brett brown and uh <laughs> lloyd pierce they were this great unit this year what did uh they do at the end of games what was their go-to marco bellinelli one footers from three oh, have mercy i can't watch he watched Doncic, and he was like you know what a better bellinelli i'm in uh you know yes <laughs> but that's another issue for another day that's one yeah. of my uh Guys, I can't. I can't necessarily stand watching Marco play basketball, but oh. he's fun at least on offense. I will is there say we can get Urson back because Urson is like maybe my favorite hawk of like the last five years. I do enjoy the Urson Soviet experience. I was happy when it's they fun. signed him. Uh, I wasn't upset when they couldn't trade him because they did try to trade him. He just vetoed. Mm-hmm. He just vetoed the trade. Yeah, he had the power. It's always funny when people, in retrospect, like scream and yell about Travis Slank not getting anything for Ursula Eliasova. And it's like, guys, he, can't, he, he no made it two trades and he, he, he beats him. Oh, no. Do they know that Mike Muscala has a no trade clause? Uh, he won't because it's a two year deal. Yeah. Well, no, he hasn't. Like, he can still block a trade this summer, right? Uh, if he opts in, I'm pretty certain because he has a player option. Him and Deadman have player options. And I think he can actually, he has uh, veto power. I need to look at that. I'm not sure that's true because it's a multi. But now that his but guy, Boonholzer's gone. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I think Muscala. Yeah, Muscala is going to opt in. I'm pretty confident. It's five million. Yeah, it's five million. I'm not overly. This this is not reporting for me, but I'm I'm pretty confident he's going to opt in. Deadman, I would guess opts out, but that's a little bit closer. Uh, Muscala. Oh, I want it reversed. I love Deadman. Yeah, I mean, I love Deadman too, but I think he's going to get more money elsewhere. (sighs) Doesn't he want to jump at the opportunity to develop Mobamba? Well, no, that's the other thing. Like, if the Hawks take a big man, yeah. uh, Dwayne Deadman, I probably would not be incentivized to stick around because the Mobamba could be like little Deadman. I'm with you. I, I just think if you're Dwayne Deadman, you want to make money, and yeah. if, if you see the writing on the wall that you may not play as much next year, even if it's obviously but where's he, he going? Nobody has cap space. Who's well, Dwayne Deadman this summer? He get middle level as good as he was this last year. I think yeah. he's gonna get some money. Uh, oh this will be the biggest deal of his uh, of his career, which isn't a huge thing. That's the thing about Deadman is he hasn't made a ton of money. Last year was the first time he ever made more than like three million dollars in a season. Yeah, uh, so it's a good story because he like broke in at twenty four. He's only been like a couple years. I think he's like twenty eight. He just looks yeah. forty three. That's the thing about Deadman yeah. is he, he's this is the time for him to get paid. Yeah, he, he had the he had the best season of his career. He's getting a little bit older. I would tell him to opt out unless he just has no interest, which I can't imagine. He was so good that somebody's going to want to sign him. 
even if he takes a little bit less money annually, for instance, like mm-hmm. I think it's like a three or four year deal at like five million a year. Like he should take that. It's a lot of money. Well, I think so. for him too, one of the better things for him moving on um, is it would help John Collins play more at the five, which I want to see a lot of this year. You got to see what you have there. Um, well, yeah, I, I, the only way that doesn't happen is if they take a center, yeah, <laughs> which they might which do. Is a possible. Mean, it's a it's a possibility. It's a big. Sure. I mean, I think maybe if you combine the chances of Luca going two and the Hawks passing on him at three, it might be more likely than not that it's not Luca. And if it's mm. not Luca, it's going to be a center. Like I, yeah. I'm pretty sure about that. Was well, Jaron Jackson a center in today's NBA? I think so. I mean, okay. with his length, I mean, he's longer than Collins, for instance. Yeah. I think if you. I mean, those guys could probably play together because Jackson can space the floor a little bit. Bagley's pretty good in space. Jackson's pretty good in space. I would not mind that pairing together, but they're kind of both playing the four and a half at that point, you know? Like, it's kind of a tandem thing. I think they're both probably centers, but Jackson probably even more so. He's such a good rim protector that I think that's definitely his best position for me. So, can I read you a quote from Schlink? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, if you're not scoring 100 points, you're probably not winning. I was there when he said that. Oh, See, that's part of why I just don't believe that they would pass on Doncic if he's available. Yeah, I mean, I I still that man would, is an assassin. I I would still again I would still guess if he's available that they would take him. I just cannot give you the like definitive. I wish I could. There's just so many mixed messages right now that there's not a whole lot I'm actually like 100% confident in or even 80% confident in with with regard to the Hawks. The Hawks are very good about not telling people things. Yep. Um, and that's kind of been a carryover from the previous administration, but Schlenk is very good at spinning things. He's good on the radio. He's good at praising every single prospect instead of just mm-hmm. praising one or two guys. Like he was asked uh, specifically on Tuesday morning, a nice around the game about all these guys individually. And he did really, mm-hmm. he did a very good job of praising all of them almost equally. I mean, people were trying to read, read, read between the lines and I was like, guys, he's doing a radio interview. He's not going <laughs> to tell you anything on the radio. That's right. not what happens. But uh, yeah, I like, mean, we love the third holiday. We actually might consider him at three. Yeah, the, we're, we're actually the UCLA we're actually holiday. Which one Chandler is this Hutchinson. One? Uh, is this Aaron? Is it? This Aaron? is uh, th- yes. Yeah, this, this is Aaron, who I like mm, actually. Yeah. Could, could be in play later on. Nineteen. There you go. Nineteen thirty. Uh, one of those would be. Uh, I like it. Um, but the second part of that quote, which I think is even more important when talking about Bagley and other guys, is he says, "So we're going to look for guys that are two-way players." Guess who's not a two-way player? Marvin Bagley. Trey Young. Played <laughs> Trey Young. <laughs> Trey Young and Marvin Bagley. Uh, yeah. Although I will say uh, Bagley is bad defensively right now. That is, that is not even up for debate. That's the thing. Yeah. People, people that like Bagley want to tell me that he's not bad defensively. And by the way, he even said that in an interview. Like He seemed like pretty upset when he got asked about his defense. Like, he was like, no, I think I'm a good defender now. And it's like, no, Marvin. You could be. Like I do think there's a path to Bagley being a pretty good defender, but it has more to do with him being able to switch and be an athlete and kind of just fly around him being a rim protector is just not going to happen. Like I don't see that as a, like, he was, and I just don't love the fit with him in Collins. Oh no, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't draft at number three based on fit with John Collins. Like that, that's like more of a tiebreaker for me, mm. but on that side of things, Bagley is the worst fit with Collins of any prospect that they're considering. He's the worst fit. There's not even close. I would agree. Those guys, are, those guys are very similar, and that's not a shot at either one of them. I do like Bagley as a prospect. I just don't think defensively. Um, we're gonna get heat for like making the case of like we'd rather like this Collins love where you're like you're overthinking it. Collins was not a lottery guy. Blah blah blah. Um, well, no, wait, I, I don't. I don't guy? think John wait, Collins. Wait, lottery, right? Last yeah, year? I mean, he went to. He was at 19. Like 19, I think the Hawks said he had. I think they said uh, even on the record after the draft that Schlenk said they had him at like 14 or 15 mm-hmm. somewhere in there. So like they got good value. And I, you know, Collins was an awesome pick so far. I love I, John Collins. I would not dispute that. At the same time. I would not be basing the number three pick on John Collins. There's nobody on this roster right now that I would be really concerned with at number three. You just take the mm-hmm. best player. Yeah. Collins is the closest. Um, but even then, like, again, it's just a tiebreaker for me. If, if they evaluated Jaron Jackson and Marvin Bagley, like dead even, mm-hmm. then maybe you go Jackson because Bagley's such a weird fit with Collins. But aside from that, you just take the best guy. Then You know what really sucks is picking three in a two player draft. I don't see it. I don't see it as, two, as a two-player draft. That, that's just, okay. So you think there's more than two superstars coming out of this draft? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that, though. That's, that's the weird part about this draft is that I like a lot of these guys, and it's I think it's a deep draft. Um, I wouldn't necessarily project anyone in this class like as a baseline average outcome to be a superstar. Huh. I think okay. Luca. I think Luca 
part of Luca's appeal to me as my number one player is that his his high his his floor is very high. I can't mm-hmm. see him busting because of the passing and the size and the basketball IQ. Like I think I don't it think Aiton could bust either. I, I mean, just same thing. I think he's going, he's going to, be, to be so good so early. Yeah, I think Aiton is not going to bust, but I, I do think there's a scenario where he is a very good offensive player that's just okay-ish on defense and right. is more of like a good stats, bad team kind of player. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not bad. I mean, that's, that's a yeah. good pick. I, I don't, you can just see him on all-star teams. Like it's going to yeah. be really hard for him to just not dominate a lot of guys, especially with just, I don't know. You just, he's going to look like Joe Embiid a little bit where he's going to get switched on to smaller guys and he's just going to look at it, but he loves the mid range right now. But if he turns that into threes and other stuff, like it's just, he's going to score a lot of points. Yeah. I don't think... He's a great rebounder too. He is. I think both Aiden and Bamba are very good rebounders. Bagley is too. So those, I mean, there's some high floor stuff with all these guys. I just Aiden is probably the closest to a projection of a you know what an all star traditionally is because I think he's going to get his numbers. I think he's going to be a 2010 guy at some point in his career. Um, Doncic I think will play at that level as a baseline level, but maybe not have the counting stats that people love. Like he might, I think his baseline might be like 18 seven and six kind of guy, that kind of player. Like mm-hmm. I do everything very well, but not like off the charts kind of guy. Um, so yeah, I, I just think people in general project prospects too high in their outcomes. Like I think if I ask a random Marvin Bagley fan what his baseline outcome is, like what his average outcome is, they're going to tell me that it's too high. If that makes sense. They're going to say like all star, and I'm like, no, that's not any. I don't think that's anybody's baseline outcome. That's just me. Like it's probably just semantics in a lot of ways. But I think the only guys who I ever say are like baseline outcome all-stars are like the absolute elite LeBron, Anthony Davis prospects. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't see like how many, like what, how, what, what percentage of the time is DeAndre Ayton not an all-star? I think it's at least a quarter of the time. Like there, scenarios exist where he's not an all-star. Like it's not, I just think crazy. he's at a position. Like I would say that would probably be the case if he was a point guard, but because he is just, it like there's not many fives like him anymore it's just like you have so many more capella types deandre jordan types where it's like guys like eight and and then bead and demarcus cousins and guys like that just stand out and just bully people and like even julius randall did it this past year where his bully ball was just destroying opposing fives because no one could handle his frame and everything else and he figured it out but i think ayton's gonna do the same kind of thing where he's just gonna bully smaller guys inside and it's just gonna work because there are not many centers like him anymore yeah, no, I think he's gonna be good. I just and if anybody again, if anybody I was projecting as an all star, I think in this class it might be Aiton. I, I prefer Doncic in part because of the way the game is moving right now and the fact that he's mm-hmm. a perimeter player and you just right. want those wings. He's They're also not six nine gigantic. Yeah, those guys are not available. Like on one foot uh, from three. Can we can we say that again? Yeah, like, that's true. Watch it should today, be stated. He's, uh, uh, he's a freaking nature. He's yeah, really good. Prim- primary creators on the wing are the best asset in the sport, which is mm-hmm. part of the reason I want Doncic at number one. Uh, I, I think it's pretty close with Aiden and I, I do like Jackson a lot, but Jackson is in a different sort of way in that I think his floor is very high because of his defense. Like I think um, the best comp, this is hilarious. And maybe it's my uh, Hawksness, but I think the best comp I've seen with Jackson or her with Jackson is like Al Horford with rim protection mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like I think he's going to be, I mean, not as an average outcome, but Remember as a when the Hawks chose Dwight Howard over Al Horford. I mean, it's it wasn't quite that easy, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, or they wanted to pair him. That yeah, was they, the they that they was wanted to pair him and Al. That was the action. I mean, I've heard this numerous times. They their intent was to sign Dwight, sign Al, and still tra- wrong by the and way. Trade. Like I love when they were like playing it off. Like we wanted them both. It's like no, that's still a terrible idea. Yeah, Why would you want I mean, them both? I do think it would have been better than what actually happened, which yeah. was lose Al for nothing. Because at least in that scenario, they would have traded Paul Millsap and gotten assets. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas they ended up losing Al for nothing, losing Paul for nothing, and trading Dwight and taking a bath. It was the worst possible scenario, obviously, which we don't need to litigate again. But no. yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> it just turns out you need a, an actual general manager in charge of things to uh, keep these things from happening. Yeah, I think we have definitely learned uh, both, you know, in Atlanta, Detroit, some other places that mm. having the dual role is not a good idea. No. Um, last thing on the Hawks, and then we'll move on. Uh, what do you make of the Kenneth Fareed just to take his salary for a year? Uh, and get, like maybe the Nuggets pick 
I think any I think any team with cap space would, would do that trade. I think people have made it to be too easy, like the Hawks, like like that offer is just sitting out there for the Hawks to take, which it's not. Like that that offer does not exist right now. I think it's the a Nuggets, theoretical offer where just people have looked at the land and they're like, you know what, the Hawks make sense. They have a bunch of cap space and no one yeah. else does. And the Nuggets have too many young guys and they need to start filling up this roster with vets and things like that. Yeah, and avoid the luxury tax. There, yeah, there, yep. there are four or five. Are they really teams. pushing it. Oh god. Well, they will be once they pay Jokic. Yeah, once once they right decline um, Jokic's team option in order to make him restricted and then pay him which is very complicated. But once they pay him the max or close to it, they're going to be right at the tax or a little bit over um, if they have Fareed. So yeah, I, I do think there are probably four or five teams in the league that would take that trade in an instant, the mm-hmm. and 14 trade. The Hawks are one of them. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I think it was Gavoni reported, um, or maybe, it's, maybe Mike Schmitz, one of those guys from ESPN reported that that was not what Denver wants to do. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's sort of an emergency only option for Denver if the owner's like, you got to get off this money right now. Yeah. Um, they could do that. Um, aside from that, though, they have other ways to clear cap space. So I would not be holding your breath on that deal. But I do think the Hawks' most likely use of cap space this summer is to take a bad contract for assets, whether it be a future pick or a current cheap, young, good player, that kind of thing. Like like in the freed mold. I'm not expecting that, that deal to happen specifically, but the Hawks are going to have 20 to $30 million, depending on the way things go with Deadman and Mescala. They're going to do one of those Jamal Crawford trades again. Like last summer, they got the Houston picks. Jamal for Crawford. Crawford. Well, that's By what the way, they're paying Jamal Crawford this year. Do you know that? Uh, it's not very $2 much. $2 million. Yeah. And that was that was part of the – that's exactly what happened last year. They, they took Jamal Crawford's salary and got the Houston first-round pick for it. That was exactly what right. that trade was. That's going to be the same exact thing this year. They're going to take somebody's bad money in exchange for a pick. Um, I would I would bet that happens, that happens in some form. Maybe maybe yeah, maybe, maybe it won't pick, but it'll be a young player. Yeah, that's what you do if you're a rebuilding team. I can't imagine the Hawks wanting to spend that cash base on players. Yeah. Maybe if you find a restricted free agent that's super cheap, um, like that's young, because that's the thing. You're not going to sign in any unrestricted free agent is going to be like 27 years old, and mm-hmm. they're not going to want to sign that guy right now. They're not. That doesn't. Well, they make can any sign sense. Mario Hazonia. You and I have given permission to the Hawks. Well, no, that's the kind of player. Like yeah. they, they could sign him. They could sign Dante Exum. Like that's mm. the kind of group that actually makes I'm here sense. I'm here for Exum too. Um, but aside from that, like the big ticket guys don't make sense in Atlanta. So use that cap space to get assets and look ahead. That's what they're going to do. So they're not trading for Kawhi Leonard this summer. Uh, that was a topic on sports radio this week. I, can I know. <laughs> Uh, no, they're not going to do that. I said, it was funny. I got out in front of it immediately on Twitter. You know, as soon as that stuff happened, I said, look, the Hawks could certainly make a good offer for Kawhi Leonard if they wanted to, it would be insane for them to do so because he's going to stay for a year and then leave. And that would be really dumb. So don't do that. And they're not going to, no chance. So Chris Paul, we learned this week is going to return to Houston. It's a a formality at this point. We don't know if it's going to be for the three year or five year deal. That's still unclear, but it seems like because he's the uh, NBA PA president that uh, he's probably going to opt in for that five-year, $205 million extension. But uh, apparently he is hyper-focused on doing whatever he can to get LeBron James in Houston this summer. And it's interesting because we just know how hard it's going to be for Daryl Morey and I mean, if there's a right man to figure out a way to make um, the contracts of LeBron James, Chris Paul, and James Harden all work uh, for a season, it's Daryl Morey. But it's going to be difficult. And LeBron would have to opt in, I think, to his Cleveland contract because he has a player option uh, this summer. And then like Chris Paul basically did the same thing last year to get him to uh, Houston. But to do that, he also took a pay cut. And LeBron would have to take a pay cut. Paul would have to take a pay cut. And... Um, you've already paid James Harden, the uh, veteran max extension. Um, and I believe that was last summer. So it's going to be very complicated, but at the same time, it would be, it'd be fun. Like I think from a basketball standpoint, it makes a lot of sense, but they would have to give up basically everybody, Ariza, Tucker, uh, Luke Richard and Bamute, like Gerald Green, like just basically their entire rotation outside of like anyone who, anyone who makes any money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'd have to trade Ryan Anderson, and I don't know who's taking that. Contract well, that's right that's now. I'm about to say that's that's the sticking point in all this is that they either have to get the Cavs to take Ryan Anderson, which the Cavs have no reason to do, mm-hmm. or they have to figure out a way to get Ryan Anderson off the roster and then still match salary for LeBron. That's the hardest part. So I, I, I don't. That's one question. Don't make an answer for me. Answer for me about this situation is 
I just don't see how it works. I don't I understand he has to opt in and get traded, but the trades don't make any basketball sense for me because again, the Cavs, if Houston had some draft picks in the future that were valuable, maybe it would make some sense, but they really don't, especially mm-hmm. if you assume they're going to be good. Like for instance, this year their, their pick was number 30, which they already owed. And now the Hawks of course have it, yeah. but they don't have any picks to entice. Like Ryan Anderson's contract is a disaster. Like mm-hmm. no one's going to take that contract without probably two picks. And Houston doesn't really have picks. <laughs> so it's a weird one, man. Like, they they, they got to find somebody that's in love with Ryan Anderson or none of it really matters, I don't think. Yeah, and I don't know who that is. I know the Hawks are not taking Ryan Anderson's contract. I so. mean, it would take three picks, I think, for the yeah. Hawks. Like, because of how bad Houston's picks are, mm-hmm. at, least that, at least that you have to assume they are because of how good they're going to be on the court. I mean, for at least maybe, the next like three years. Yeah, maybe if Houston calls and says, because they can't trade the 2019 pick because they already owe, they already traded yeah, the Yeah, the step in roll, right? Yeah. So if they call and maybe do like 20, 2020, 2022 and like four second rounders or something, like, is that enough? Maybe. I don't really know, but they're going to have to do something like that. Like something basically just cap themselves out completely on picks Miami heat style and just not have any picks forever. I mean, they're capped out anyway and they're going all in and I mean, they're way over the luxury tax and their, yeah. their new owner is going to get a new gigantic uh, tax bill. Yeah, well, the, welcome uh, to ownership. Uh, here's here's a hundred million dollar tax bill. But listen, if, he, if they get LeBron, he'll be uh, he'll be okay. Well, that's the thing is, like, if he says, you know what, I'm going to this team, like, they'll make it work. Like, it's, no, I mean, it's going to happen. I just think the only sticking point is that Dan Gilbert is uh, has a reputation of someone who may not want to be super helpful. Mm-hmm. So if it requires the Cavs taking Ryan Anderson, that might be a complete non-starter because he's not going to do LeBron a huge favor. Like when they when they when LeBron went to Miami. Cleveland got some picks, some picks back because it didn't cost them anything. Yeah, it cost them absolutely nothing to do to do the sign and trade. So basically, it's like, yeah, why why wouldn't we take these free picks? But in this instance, if, if the if the price is taking Ryan Anderson back, that's a pretty big price for someone who's like, if they do that, then they're basically in the luxury tax again in Cleveland for a bad team. Like that's the that's the worst place to be in the world is a luxury tax for a bad team. So yeah, I mean. It'd be fun. I agree with your first statement. Like Houston with LeBron is a lot of fun, especially if you know if Harden and Paul are if, if the three of those guys are there playing basketball they can play offensively. It would be a lot of fun to watch. I'd be worried about their health um, because sure. there's no depth already on this roster. But they got lucky because they got a lot of guys on veteran minimum contracts that panned out. But they can't keep everybody. I mean, they're already having to make a decision in the summer, and this is without LeBron entering the equation of like they can't keep Gerald Green and Luke Richard. They have to pick one. And they're just going to have to answer a lot of questions. They're going to have to pay Trevor a reason. We don't know what he's going to ask for. He's 33. You have Chris Paul, who's 33 now. You have just all these guys that are getting up there in age. They got lucky on a lot of different guys. Like Gerald Green was a great, he was playing huge minutes for them in the NBA Western Conference Finals. Like that's, that was just a crazy thing that a lot of us did not see coming. But this is still a team that is um, relying on these just, bargain bin guys that have turned out to be really good fits next to James Harden and Chris Paul and Trevor Reza. And now they have to also pay Clint Capella, who is a restricted free agent and is going to be looking for a lot of money. Um, I just, there's so many things up in the air for this Houston team. They're going to be maxed out and everything else, but um, I don't even know, like Daryl Morey, man, he's going to have to juggle so many different things this summer. Yeah. He pulled it off last year. I mean, the Chris Paul thing was, Obviously made it easier because Chris Paul said, I'm going to go to Houston. But mm-hmm. even then, like Maury put on something of a clinic and like getting all these non-guaranteed, all these non-guaranteed guys from other places, taking on weird minimums like Ryan Kelly from the Hawks got traded to the, to the Rockets to help facilitate one of those trades. And like he, he's kind of a wizard with the stuff. He did mess up the Nene over 36 rule contract, which was kind of funny, but yeah. it ended up not biting them. So yeah, yeah. Maury's, Maury's very good. And I think if anybody can do it, it's him. But uh you know, he shouldn't sign Ryan Anderson. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. If they didn't have Ryan Anderson, I could see the easy, the much easier path to this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, two years, two summers ago, whenever, when, when he signed Gordon and Anderson, we all thought those were kind of both maybe bad contracts and Gordon worked I know, out really I well. the Gordon one. I thought Gordon was like a perfect fit. It like worked out really well. And it did. I mean, yeah. it's, it's perfect. Uh, Anderson, I mean, he definitely helped them in year one and he played well, but, and he's not a, he's not an unhelpful player. Like he's a very useful piece. He's just like a, seven million dollar player making 22 million dollars and that's that's tough for sure yeah would you be worried at all about paying capella 
they uh, have no, to because like he's so. he can switch one to five. Like he's so like this is a team that relies they switch everything and all that kind of stuff. But like this is a guy they can't find a replacement on the market. Like Demarcus Cousins is not replacing Clint Capella, especially coming off a of torn Achilles. Oh, he's a perfect fit for D'Antoni and what they're doing. He's like one of the best rim runners in basketball. He's just a perfect fit for this team. But at the same time, making him your third highest paid player on a contender does kind of worry me I, I don't know it goes like they don't have another option but to pay capella but I yeah say, it's, it's just it's weird it's basically just luxury tax money like so yep. it's, it's an ownership signing because capella is worth the contract he's going to get he just turned mm-hmm. 24 like two weeks ago um i think you know you're basically you're going to get his entire prime here on a four-year deal which is what he's probably going to get um i wouldn't I wouldn't pay him for five years, which is what they could do. I would make him sign a tender somewhere. I, you know, it, it might be with some pain. Like you're going to probably, maybe he'll go out and get a three plus one or do whatever he can to kind of sting you. But in the same breath, like, you know, four year contract for a guy who's 24 years old and who fits perfectly with you. Like he's at his best with James Harden, who is going to be on your team for a long time. I'd be more worried about an, another team signing him than Houston, if that makes sense. Like if I was a team looking for a free agent center, I still would pay Clint Capella. I think he's very good, but we just don't know what he looks like outside of, of that system when he's able to play with Harden, who's a perfect offensive player for him, and he doesn't have the responsibility. Let him go out. Like, I don't think Daryl Morey in this group can just tell him, go out and see what you can get. I, I think that would be a bad look with how integral he was. For I mean, maybe. This year. I, I do I think, think you have to do it. That's just, it seems like those never go well. Where yeah, I mean, you have like, to go offer, see what you can get. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, there's some nuance there. I do think you have to offer, you offer him a contract, maybe short of the max. Like you offer him four years and 80 something million or something like that that he's probably not going to take. And you say, all right, Clint, like we're going to match any offer you get. But if you want to beat that, go ahead. That kind of thing. Like you don't, you don't just yeah. say immediately go get an offer. Like mm-hmm. they're going to make him an offer, I'm sure, and try to get him a little bit cheaper than the max. Um, but at the end of the day, I can't imagine that they're going to let him go. They have no way to replace him. And he's just such a perfect fit there and does so many things. He's definitely worth that money to them. There is no there's no doubt about that. With the way that he played this year in Houston in that system, and he doesn't seem to care about getting the ball. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Like Big men who don't get the ball, you have to have a certain makeup to be okay with that. Like We saw what Dwight Howard looked like in Houston uh, even you know three years ago, younger Dwight Howard. He was never going to be okay with not having the ball. Clint Capella appears totally fine with just dunking every once in a while and just playing hard on defense and rim running and kind of just doing what Houston needs him to do. So, yeah, just pay the guy. I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to have to pay him for sure. I just love looking at all of their cap holds. That's my favorite thing about Houston this summer with uh, Eric Gordon, Luke Richard, Gerald Green, Trevor Reza, Chris Ball, Clint Capella. It's a lot of money just up in the air. I think Ariza is going to be the guy that probably goes. Just because so, wasn't he like in like he was an integral part to bring Oh, they need ball. him. The problem is well, well, I here's see the, him on the court, but he's like seems like their glue guy. He's like their Andre Godala. Yeah, I mean the only the good thing for Houston is that Ariza probably won't get more than the mid level anywhere else because mm. there's just no money out there. Yeah. And for and a guy older, his age. And we just don't know how he's gonna age and he's not a knockdown shooter. It's just he'd, he like everybody in Houston like just looks like they're a good three point shooter, but it's only because they just take a lot of them. That doesn't mean they're oh, yeah. he's he's never been a great shooter by yeah. any means. But yeah, I do think like if you're Trevor Reza and your best offer on the market is a mid level somewhere else why would you just stay in Houston? And mm-hmm. he might even be, he actually might be able to get more money in Houston than anywhere else because they probably just like him. And like, maybe they'll, maybe they'll, maybe they'll offer him 10 million cause they can, whereas other teams won't offer him more than the mid level, which is less than nine. So all things equal, he's going to take the extra money to stay home. I just don't see the contract out there. There was a report that he wants like 50, 50 or $60 million guaranteed. Ooh. He's not, he's not getting that in this, no. in this market. I'd be stunned if he got that somewhere. And if, and if he does, it's from a bad team like Sacramento or somebody who's trying to compete now that shouldn't be trying to compete now. If that makes sense. Like someone Andre who's going to just do that to the Warriors last well, year. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like that's, I mean, it's the Sacramento leverages to quote Daniel LaRue. <laughs> he calls them. And yeah, I mean, other than that, like you got to find a team if you're Trevor Reza that's like trying to be a 41 team. And signing you to do that, that's the only way he gets more than the mid-level, though. Every every good team in the league does not have cap space to pay him. I, I mean, maybe in a perfect world, if the Sixers strike out on everybody else, maybe they want to pay Trevor Reza for for a year, like pay him, do give him the Reddit contract, give him a twenty million dollar Reddit contract for one season. Uh-huh. Um, they just don't do it if they just can't find anybody else. But you know, other than that, I just don't see the money out there for Reza. So I think he comes back too. Doesn't uh, it feel like? 
Cleveland missed the boat on the Kemba stuff. It feels like that's something that should have happened at the deadline if they were going to do it. But now, like, just seeing that rumor today, I didn't love it. And it just kind of was depressing for me where this team, I mean, obviously they need to do whatever they can to get LeBron to stay because it's going to be very, very bad once LeBron leaves. And they know that. Like, they know it's just going to be a factory of sadness again. And <laughs> yes, there's don't. no way out of it. Like, they just have no good young pieces. They messed up the Anthony Bennett piece. Like, Zach Lowe's basically just destruction of what happened there and why they're in just so much trouble post LeBron it's um they did it to themselves but it was also different GMs and all that kind of stuff but whatever this is a team that is in desperation mode and Charlotte though they have like <laughs> for a team that like Charlotte's just so frustrating on a variety of levels but they were top 15 in offensive and defense defensive efficiency this season and they still were 10th in the east like it just it felt like they were really unlucky but I think Kimba is now their all-time leading scorer in franchise history, I believe he passed. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah, I think he passed him this year, so that's cool. He has that, but I just I'm not buying that Michael Jordan's going to trade Kemba. I think if he wanted to do that, he would have already done it. Like I feel like there were probably good deals that we just don't even know about for Kemba, and he's a really good player. He's turned into a good shooter. Um, I I don't I don't know. Like I would like him. I think he does feel like a good point guard fit next to LeBron like he seems like someone who would play off LeBron really well and LeBron would love having on his team because LeBron wants smart basketball players and Kimball Walker is a smart basketball player so I, I like that idea but at the same time like that just doesn't feel like enough to convince LeBron to stay and you know what else doesn't help for the Charlotte Hornets that Kimba is still on a great deal for them right now and they are paying over 60 million dollars to Dwight Howard uh, Nick Batum and Arvin Williams yeah they have some uh some cap issues, let's just say, and throw it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, I think obviously, obviously, if you can get Kemba, you have to go get Kemba. He's a good player, and if he you is know, attractive, even if you don't know if LeBron stands. Well, that's the thing. I was about to, that's my next thing. Like, none of this matters except for LeBron. I don't think that getting Kemba is going to be enough to guarantee you get LeBron back. Like, maybe if you get Kawhi, you can maybe guarantee you get LeBron back. But right. aside from a guy on that level. Unless LeBron's telling you I'll come back if you trade for if you trade for Kemba, I wouldn't do that because yep. Kemba's gonna be a free agent after next year. Mm-hmm. And if LeBron doesn't come doesn't come back, you're not gonna want to pay Kemba. So and you will have just traded your only asset, which is the, which is the number eight pick for Kemba in that in that yep. situation. So I mean, maybe if you get and find a way to take the Batum contract um and not have to give up number eight like if, if you if, if charlotte just wants to get off salary and they'll give you kemba without number eight pick maybe they'll take back kevin love or do something weird sure but uh i personally would not be trading the number eight pick if i was the Cavs. i think they're probably going to do it because that's the way to make the best pitch to lebron mm-hmm. but without some level of certainty that you and i are just never going to know if they have uh, you know, look look at life after LeBron. I mean, may, maybe if you trade for CJ, CJ McCollum or somebody like that, that's a little bit younger than Kemba in a better contract situation than Kemba, that might make some more sense because, you know, if, if LeBron leaves, you can at least kind of start building around that guy. But mm-hmm. in Kemba's case, that doesn't really apply because it's one year of Kemba. He's not young anymore. And I'm not sure they're going to want to pay him as that's contract. So it's a really tough line to walk. Like the Cavs are impossible to project because it's all about LeBron and everybody knows it up and down the roster and outside the roster and everybody kind of just understands the deal, but um, they don't have any picks either. Like they're not 2019 pick. They can keep it. If they go on the tank, they owe it to the Hawks, um, mm-hmm. which is the reason why I think if LeBron leaves, they're going to try to tank because then that way they keep their pick. Um, but if what not, is on that? it's top 10 okay. um, for two years. So it's top 10, in 2019 top 10 for 2020. And then it becomes two seconds. So if they're, if they're bad enough, and they really go into the tank. They could might maybe keep it oh, all. They're away. a bottom ten team if LeBron. I goes. I agree. Uh, I I just think there is at least a possibility that Dan Gilbert gets silly and tries to compete. Oh um, God, it would be dumb. But because they have so much money too, that's the thing. Like they have so much money committed that they're going to be kind of a mess next year. Even if they're trying to rebuild, they're not going to be able to get off all these contracts. They have Tristan making a lot of money. They have Jr. making a lot of money. Uh, Corver still making some real money. They obviously uh, have Kevin Love, who is a good player, but makes a lot of money. Um, it's, uh, they have Jordan Clarkson making a lot of money now. Uh, they have some weirdness to where they can't just fully blow it up. Um, on the bright side, if you're a Cavs fan, you want to keep that pick. Those guys are kind of bad aside from Kevin Love. So maybe it'll just be bad enough anyway. 
But yeah, it's a. Uh, Can I make a Cavs Dan Gilbert prediction? Please. I think he sells the team if LeBron leaves within three years. Uh, he just, he, I thought it was Dan Gilbert six months ago. Okay. Just because I think LeBron's going to leave yeah. and the, the value of that franchise. Exactly. It I may not plummet because NBA franchises just don't plummet right now. They all go for too much. Like mm-hmm. Memphis went for like a billion dollars, which is insane because that market is tiny and they don't do a lot of, uh, you know, valuation wise. They're not necessarily in this great position. But I do think if LeBron leaves and you have the opportunity for like, people to start evaluating the franchise, it will take a bit of a hit from where it is now. He's going to make money on it, though. I mean, all these guys, anybody that, that bought in more He's than... He's not a like, Cleveland guy. It's not like he has local ties no, or anything. He's Detroit. a Michigan guy, yeah. I mean, every everybody that bought a franchise more than three years ago is just printing money whenever they mm-hmm. sell the team. So if he wants to sell it, I wouldn't blame him in the slightest because it's going to be rough, man. As you mentioned, like if LeBron leaves, there really isn't a path short of just pure luck. I mean, last time... They had a combination of pure luck and LeBron being born in Akron um, twice now because yep. they won three out of four lotteries. Otherwise, LeBron never comes back. If they don't have Kyrie and the rights to Andrew Wiggins, LeBron doesn't come back to Cleveland. Well, they like, also wouldn't be in this worse shape if they didn't mess up those lottery wins, like the Anthony Bennett stuff. Like that just, it's going to kill them. For yeah, a I mean, long that time. was their only. Deion Waiters. Yeah, Deion. It for. I mean, he still helped them win a championship, but it was just, it's not a great run when no, you have those, that those much. two picks are yeah. not good the only like obviously it was a catastrophe when they drafted anthony bennett um you know tristan and dion were not good picks but they're not awful either like they, they got nba players in the top five like it's not this huge disaster but the bennett one obviously stings and you know in retrospect they did the right thing on wiggins i mean they got yep. kevin love and a title out of that and wiggins doesn't exactly appear primed to make them look terribly silly for that trade to make a lot of money though Yes, he's uh, <laughs> no, I mean, the Cavs are going to be a mess and uh, I kind of hope LeBron stays sneakily because I think if he stays, they're going to get somebody else. Um, as I mentioned I mean, before, yeah, they have to, right? I'm predicting that they trade the pick, um, even if it's silly to do so, like whether it's Kemba or CJ McCollum or well, they're kind of screwed there, right? Like they had yeah. the draft before free agency, like that's the NFL doesn't do this. They're in the, the worst position ever. Uh, yeah, the Cavs are in a position where if they hold the pick. LeBron is not going to be happy about it. Maybe, and maybe, maybe like they did last time with Wiggins, they can trade that guy later. But the pick, the pick, as soon as you make it, drops in value because that requires the team that you're trading with to like the same player that you liked. Mm-hmm. Um, the pick in the pick in a vacuum is always worth more than the pick uh, once it's made. That's just yep. what it is. Unless it's like a Philadelphia, like Orlando situation where they did that. Wasn't it with like Dario Saric and like Alfred Payton a couple years ago where yeah, one I of mean, them picked for the other? But it can work Orlando. out if you yeah. if the guy like, like for instance if, if if they take Michael Porter Jr. at eight, or if they take Trey Young at eight, I'm sure somebody around the league is going to like those guys enough where they want they want to tr- make it make a trade for that pick, right. but. It just takes a little bit more nuance than if you draft if you're just trying to trade a pick by itself. So, yeah, I mean, maybe they just don't find the offer on on draft night. They, they take the best player available, uh, and then, and they tell LeBron, "Listen, LeBron, if you want us to trade this guy, we will do it." <laughs> you know, yeah. like if you want us to trade, you know, Miles Bridges or whoever we draft, we will do it as soon as you tell us to. But just we couldn't get it, and nobody wanted it at the time or whatever it is. You, you're, still, you're still trying to sell LeBron, but I can't imagine LeBron wants to play with a rookie. Um, over even a fringy all-star kind of guy that you can get with that pick. So yeah, they're in a bad spot and he knows, he knows if he goes back and they don't add anything, he knows what that looks like and it's not going to be good. No, I don't think so. But I will say, so this is the last thing I'll say on this Cleveland and Kimba stuff. So actually this is a two parter. One is every time I look at the Hornets roster, there's so many guys on there that just, feel like perfect fits next to lebron like marvin williams cody zeller is a rim runner you have mkg so lebron doesn't have to do as much on defense like there's just so many guys up and down this roster that makes sense like nick batum obviously helping their offense and everything else like it's just you look up and down and it's like wow lebron would actually really like playing with a bunch of these guys but um he's not there and i i think about like what could the hornets do because like what if the Hornets, instead of just targeting trading Kimba, what if uh, I'm this is uh, this is my favorite fake trade right now? What if they sent Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who's still on a pretty good contract right now, their first round pick this year, which I think is what like thirteen or something, um, and then Malik Monk to Portland for CJ McCollum? 
and hmm. then you just do Kimba and CJ. See what happens. Make it fun. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure Portland does that. But okay. if I was Charlotte, I would probably try it just because Charlotte's in this terrible spot where they just they don't have a way to get better. Like their only recourse is basically to do the blow up, and they don't want to do that. I mean, it's very clear they don't want to do that. So well, Portland's right there too. They have no cap space this summer. Yeah, but I mean, have, Portland they're, they're, on the yeah, I'm kind of with you. Portland's in a weird spot too. On the bright side, though, Portland is willing to spend money. So there are, there are always ways you can do things if you're willing to spend more money. And Portland has an owner that's willing to pay luxury tax and kind of do weird things, take on bad money. Like It's easier to do that if you are a team that's willing to spend. Charlotte has never been willing to spend. I know they have a bunch of bad contracts, but MJ's not paying the luxury tax. He's always said that. He's not doing it. Um, so they're kind of like – they almost have like a hard cap, if that makes sense. Like they have a bunch of bad contracts, but they're not – they're not going above and beyond that. Like they, they could certainly do things right now to make their life easier on the court, but take on bad money. Portland's more willing to do that. Charlotte's not. But no, I'm, I think that's an interesting thought bubble because I'm of the mind that Portland's got to do something different. Yep. Um, maybe they don't like this trade, but I would be looking to trade CJ probably um, just because I, I like CJ a lot, but I would probably make him available to the highest bidder. And I think this probably would not be the best deal they can get. For him, but if it's the only option they have, I wouldn't. I it's wouldn't. Not bad it. though. I feel no, like it's not. Could, if you went like Kevin Knox, Malik Monk, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist, like I, I don't know. I feel like that's a three for one. That's a a net positive for Portland just to shake things up. I don't know. You you can't trade Dame when he's just like a fringe uh, first team All NBA guy right now. I think he's like the heart and soul of that team. So I think it's CJ that would have to get moved. They do something. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like they have to do something this summer especially the way they got swept in that series against New Orleans where I think there was only like one game that was like within eight points, I want to say, in that series. So it was not great. Got blown out, got swept. But um, I don't know. I think they should do something. And I think Charlotte has a lot of intriguing pieces that would um, be of interest to Neil O'Shea in Portland because they're a team that doesn't have a lot of options. They can't spend in free agency. They have to shake things up via trade. And you know, it's a lot of trade chips of a lot of guys who are like solid B plus guys and then some intriguing young guys. It's uh, it's Charlotte. So maybe they could do some sort of business and then um, they can Charlotte can get off the books. A lot of these guys and then Mitch Kupchak can offer Isaiah Thomas the max. Whew, that would be a move they could do. Certainly. Are we They're... sure that won't happen? He watched uh... Los Angeles this year. He watched Isaiah down the stretch and. <laughs> the max <laughs> is probably a little bit strong but uh i mean crazier things have happened i would say i mean somebody's right. gonna do something stupid someone's paying isaiah i just don't know we, who it is maybe not yeah i mean he's gonna get more money than orlando? i would probably give him i'm sure maybe i mean if i was orlando and if, if i was trying to win mm. maybe because they're he's the honestly there are no point guards available mm. on the free agent market like there are guys in the draft but if you if you don't draft a point guard and you're left with no one on your roster. And Orlando right now in the in this particular moment has the worst point guard situation in the entire league. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody on the roster. Shout like, out to Shelvin Mack. Well, they're, and, they're, and they're going to cut Shelvin Mack. Assist a game. Oh, are they? Even I mean, probably. Tweet? He's owed oh. $6 million and only $1 million of is guaranteed. So I think he's going to get cut. Um, so even if they had Shelvin Mack, they don't have anybody else. Like with the after the Alfred Payton trade, they don't really have anybody. So yeah, I mean, they'd be a prime candidate to sign someone like someone like Isaiah if they like mm-hmm. Isaiah. I wouldn't do that because they should be rebuilding still. But if they yeah. want to win, if they get if they get desperate and want to, you know, score some points, as you said, it's important to score hundred points, as Travis Slank told us. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, you want him in Atlanta? Is what you're saying? Brad oh, Nolan no, of Peachtree Hoops just advocated for Isaiah Thomas to Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, that would be <laughs> one of the one of the players I would be least likely to sign in the entire mm-hmm. league if I was the Hawks, just because he's a one way player who has some fit questions. We saw that in Cleveland. He was not very happy. I think he has a very high opinion of himself. Um, I've always liked Isaiah, but uh, signing him now on a team that's not very good is not a good idea. I don't think. Yeah. So I, my favorite Isaiah destination is still New York. I like to see him in that kind of spotlight, dealing with the media scrutiny and everything else. And it might be fun. They need I mean, honestly, Aquina is not a yeah. He'd actually they, sneakily, if they were trying to win, which I, yeah. I again I wouldn't recommend necessarily for the Knicks, but if they were trying to win, he would be a pretty good fit there because yeah. Frank he smokes can play defense on whoever in the backcourt, yeah. and he's like a little shoot. Kyrie and uh, Marcus Smart situation. Yeah, I've I've been arguing that um, if. I think Trey Young makes sense in New York as a mm. all the way back around. 
because right. Trey Young can't play defense, but they have Frank, and they don't think Frank's a point guard. So if you want to pair someone with Frank, you would want someone who is a really high-level uh, scorer-passer yep. type. Uh, probably can't defend, and that would be kind of a good mix, I think. So of all the places Trey Young could land, I wish that wasn't in the city of New York, if that makes sense. Like roster-wise, I think that would be a great pairing. Um, the you know Fishbowl-wise in New York, it might be a little bit rough for Trey Young. But uh, yeah, just something to think about. I wouldn't be taking Colin Sexton in New York. I'll say that. I like <laughs> Colin Sexton, that. but him and Frankie don't make any sense together. Well, uh, it would be, man, those two would just piss so many guys off in the backcourt. Well, like, it would be fun two. to watch them defend yeah. and like do stuff, but there's to be there's just no space. Exactly. Weird fit. Anyway, Brad Roland, this is great. I'm glad we were able to do this tonight, man. No, it's my pleasure. I'm sure I said too many things, but I appreciate you having me on, man. No, this was great. Um, we can find you on Twitter at BT Roland, and we can listen to you on the Locked On Hawks podcast, which I listen to every day. So go check that out. Read Brad at Talking Chop, Peachtree Hoops, Dime Up Rocks, everywhere. Brad's probably writing there. Is that about right? Uh, yes. In fact, I'm about to start writing something for Dime right now. So uh, yeah, lo- lots of stuff to go Check out doing a lot of NBA draft stuff uh, for Dime and uh, tons of NBA draft stuff, as you probably could imagine from the beginning of this podcast. Lots of draft stuff for Shrine and the Hawks. So check out all those places that Chase named, and I really appreciate it, man. Perfect. All right. Party forever. Yes. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.